0: This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate.
1: Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate?
0: Bruno, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am, cause I'm gonna win this easily. But yeah, I'm ready. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Just... Full
1: strategy I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F Wilson. And on the money. He's stubborn. No doubt. Pressure. And Wilson recognized it. Streaks straight up the middle. Still spinning. Dives for the end zone. Touchdown. What a great run. His third rushing touchdown of the game. And that one took some skill. We are watching one of the best college football players in the country. That's Austin Nate.
2: One or two years of being there, who is going to be that guy? And for me, Dijon Robinson is still going to be that guy.
1: To the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say step down, but I'm telling you, watch out for Mister Robinson.
0: That's Matt Brooding. General G. Scott Jr. Obviously, i whacked the way the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And it's this has Fields this on the carry,
1: watch out! Justin Fields, Hello, off the 51 yards! All right, Chris Moxley, get in here, get in here. What did we get wrong?
3: Uh, tonight was not your best night, collectively. Um, there were a lot of stats turned around, so, Orver deeper hair. Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running
1: back ranking. Uh Explain yourself. Boy,
0: that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast.
3: He jumped up enough. It did, didn't it? No. And
2: he does it all the time. He is an awful decision maker, that's, it, and he's bad enough at it, but that's, in my opinion, is not.
0: And I do think that Tom McCord is going in
1: and doing the job. He's going to be rated higher. Apologies to Kirk Herbst. You ran out of time. And Matt Boone and Austin Mates. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night. Good luck.
0: <laughs> My bad. I just messed that up. <laughs>
1: It's well, it's 9.30 in the only time zone that matters. That means it's time for the W Debate, brought to you by campuscan.com That's Matt Bruning. That's Mr. Mason. I'm Felix Sharp. On a recalcitrant version of tonight's show, Austin tells you who is going to be the next Joe Burrow. Matt tells you who, or, where are we going to find the next Zach Wilson, and we go through some takes. Well, we were wrong in 2020, but we start with Colin Decker and his co-host of the Campus to Canton podcast. Um, they have been picked up by fantasy points, and all seriousness, I just want to, Austin, congratulate you and tell you how proud uh, I am and we are of you guys. I, uh, I'm i so appreciative of having both of you as colleagues, and this is a big deal. If you haven't heard the news, uh, Austin and Collins Campus to Ken podcast is going to be um, featured within the Fantasy Points family of, po- of podcasts. So um, uh, I can't imagine that you listen to this show and don't listen to that one. But Austin, uh, you and Colin, um, mostly Colin, deserve it. Mostly and Colin. just just congratulations to you guys.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. we're excited. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank you guys.
0: Yes, congratulations. We are we're excited for both. Of you. I mean, I, me and Felix talk to you about this all the time. But we, I know your guys' podcast is one of my favorite to listen to. Every time it goes up, I, I Felix pesters you guys when you don't upload it on time. I've sent you texts before because I'm I'm ready for it to download so that I can listen to it in the mornings. I'm I'm just like Felix, very appreciative. You guys allowed me to be a part of this, and I can call you guys colleagues and maybe more Colin than you Austin but I can call Colin a friend so I really appreciate that as well so uh, but I'm really happy for you guys you guys know how much I love fantasy points and the fact that they identified you two as a podcast out of the thousands upon thousands of football podcasts to bring onto their network is huge and I think it just shows how important you guys are to the college game and then how well respected you guys are in this community so congratulations
2: yeah thanks guys we're uh we're looking we're we're just excited for all of this so yeah C2c to the moon
1: all of us. So, All right. All right. But we are, we are starting with Nikhil Harry. He's requested a trade from New England. Um, Harry was, for some, a really dynamic and dominant player at ASU. He had his weaknesses, but I think it's fair to say that he was a dynamic and dominant player. first-round draft pick in 2018, went to the combine, was a great size-adjusted athlete, but he is definitely looking like a bust at this point. Um, Austin, what can we take away from Nikhil Harry's profile as talent evaluators moving forward?
2: I, I mean, I don't think you ne- can necessarily take anything away from it. I mean, it's definitely made me rethink how I feel about big slot guys. Cause that's what I pictured him being. We were talking before the show. I went, dug way into the archives and pulled out, um, my, that was the first year I did actual scouting reports of so 2019. Um, I brought out my one on Harry and I mean, I, I, I'm gushing about him more or less. He was my wide receiver too, but I did say, you know, I think he's going to be a slot guy at the next level. Uh, so maybe I, I'm a little more hesitant to go after those guys. And maybe it, it just reminds us that the, the analytical profiles are, they help us narrow down, but they're not a certainty. And I, I think that that's a big takeaway that, you know, I, people will say, well, he had the better dominator, the better breakout. And that's, good and it, it you know it weeds out the, the the crappy guys but it doesn't doesn't give you all the great options either so i think that that's those are the two big things that i'm taking away from this
1: and see i'm not an analytical guy and i was still high on him because of how dominant i thought he would be as a red zone option yes he wasn't a separator he was a contested catcher but at the time the NFL was really was i feel like at that point transitioning to the point where they didn't want those guys anymore more, they didn't want the contested catchers that had been burned too many times, and even you know, being a Lions fan, um, Nikhil Harry reminds me very much of USC's Mike Williams. If anyone's old enough to remember Mike Williams, uh, just a, and and Harry is probably even faster and more bursty than Mike Williams. But Mike Williams, dominant freshman, dominant sophomore, and then and then left tried to join the NFL with Maurice Clarett. It didn't work out, but was just was one of these very physical receivers and it just didn't work out at the NFL level and so that profile has burned me so much that I tend to fade those types of players even to the point where I wasn't that high on Jamar Chase because as good of a player as he is he Jamar Chase is not like an elite separator by any means he's athletic but he's not an elite separator he's somebody who is um in uh uh he's i'm not i'm not sure the word i'm looking for but he loves contact to the point where he uses it offensively and um that was kind of my hesitation with them because what about what i've seen with mike williams the keel harry mike williams from uh from uh clemson a very similar player that wants to use his size and catch radius it just doesn't seem like the nfl is using those types of players anymore i want to bring in chris moxley here because um Last year, uh, Chris and I talked about Nikhil Harry and what we could take away from his profile, and Chris had some really interesting things to say. So, Chris, what do you? T- t- what are your takeaways from from uh, Harry's profile?
3: Sure. So, I think Austin said something important earlier that I, I want to echo here. The best thing that analytics does is it allows us to eliminate unlikely hits. I've always viewed it as narrowing down the player pool to select from. So um, I I think that's what's important with analytics, right? Like we're not trying to identify Harry as a hit. We're trying to identify other players as misses so that we can be more accurate in the entirety of the process. So that's part one, right? The second thing with Harry's profile was that it was fairly stellar, right? Like, he was a high-level recruit. He, he was a top-end wide receiver when he was coming out um, into college, and then when he was leaving college. I think the big, the big analytics takeaway when we really dive into what happened with the whole Nikhil Harry saga is players who don't fire their rookie year and not fire at all, like he had opportunity and failed, that's when you move off those players. Those are historically very low hit rates. When you can compare uh, face-planting players to rookie picks of the future year, you're far more likely to hit on a future rookie pick than you are uh, a player who face-planted. So that's really the the way that I think we can analytically take away um, any sort of lesson from Keel Harris' profile. We, it's hard to really say that he was a likely miss based on his collegiate profile, but year one allows us to really evaluate what happened here and, and, and really explain kind of like how we should have moved off Nikhil Harry earlier.
1: I mean, look at the rookie wide receiver, their physical profiles from this 2021 class. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Rashad Bateman is like, feels like the biggest guy of that bunch. Eli Moore, Rondell Moore. You got Terrence Marshall, who's a bigger guy, but none of them have this six foot four, 220 pound contested catch profile. And it seems like that, that, Profile is being absolutely eliminated from from the uh, NFL.
0: <laughs> uh, so I got I got a question for you guys because I I don't know Felix and Chris where you guys had him. I was pretty close with Austin. It sounds like like when, that was also one of my first years. I think it was my second year, like trying to grade players and, and learn how to do all that stuff. I had him as a second round grade when I went back and looked at my stuff. And my biggest thing was that. Uh, granted, take that with a grain of salt. I was big on Hakeem Butler, and obviously he he failed as well. He was not good, but. I think that the reason Harry got before the draft, Harry was talked about as a really good player, but he was not the top player in that class, right? Like everybody still had not DK Metcalf was not up there for a lot of people, but AJ Brown was like the top wide receiver for most people. Uh, yeah, I had Metcalf up there. I think Metcalf was three for me. I had I still kept AJ Brown up at one. It was when the draft happened that all that shifted. And so I'm curious as to how much you guys put some of this blame on new England. Cause I still think Harry is a good player. I think he was overdrafted number one going in the first round to so the Patriots. They don't use him at all in the way that his skill set it says he does with the contested catches, right? They don't use him that way. And he's only technically been in the year in the league for two years. Correct. So, I mean, we've seen in the past that sometimes it takes three or four years for these wide receivers to break out. So, are we maybe being too premature and calling him a bust just because he hasn't done anything his first two years in new England? We're also think it's fair to say he hasn't exactly had the best chances. He was injured most of the year with Tom Brady and that offense was piss poor to begin with and Brady's last year in new England. So I'm not the biggest Harry fan, but I'm wondering if maybe everybody who's calling him a bust because he wants a trade. I actually think him wanting the trade is good for his career and the smart move on his part to possibly go somewhere to, show us that he still can be at least a viable receiver in the NFL compared to what he's viewed as right now.
3: So, Yeah, I was was just going to say from an analytics perspective, right? Like He was my wide receiver one. Fantastic. And I think I did a little too much ignoring of what the film guys were saying and and really threw myself into the analytic role profile because it was fantastic. The one thing that I will note with Harry in terms of can his career be salvaged is um, when players lose value – post-rookie year, there's 11% hit rate on wide receivers moving forward, and that's why as a top 24 wide receiver. So the chance, Harry, that actually pans out as a productive player for your fantasy team, I think is fairly low.
1: I think that one thing that should be uh, – one takeaway from Harry's career thus far is that um, situation, fit, that matters. Because Nikhil Harry was absolutely a hammer that should be used as a hammer – He should have been somebody that you're throwing jump ball fades and everything to. And we've all heard about how complicated um, the Patriots offense is and how much timing and rhythm it is. That's not the way that you want to use uh, Nikhil Harry. So uh, that's one takeaway that I would have. And, and again, the fact that that profile is just being eliminated from the NFL. Austin, this leads me to believe if we're going to have a problem with with Nikhil Harry – Drake London is a, is a very similar player mm-hmm. that people are high on. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, should Nikhil Harry be a cautionary tale? Maybe.
2: Maybe. Do you think I actually like Harry more? Like, So I, I'm a sucker for a big guy that can return punts and do special, like, special teams work, which Harry did. Um, I think my first love was Des Bryant who did it in college. And that, like, he was a big guy, and they'd put him back there. And he actually did it for the Cowboys, I think, is his first year or two, maybe. He did. Um, yeah. So um, that that's kind of set Harry apart from for me. London doesn't do that. I don't know if London has that dynamism with the ball in his hands. And to be honest, I know – I get that he's probably going to, sm- like, just smash at USC this year. Like, he's going to be the number one option in a Graham Harrell, you know, Mike Leach disciple offense that's going to spread the field. He's going to catch you know, hundred balls. I think they hit him in the slot a little bit. I really do. I think they hit him a little bit. I'm not entirely sure how dynamic of an athlete he is. He can stretch the field from the slot, but that's like, we've talked about that on the show before. I'm not sure how much the NFL wants that skill set anymore. Like, I don't think a lot of teams run an offense where you're stretching the field necessarily from the slot. They're usually using boundary guys to do that. And I don't know if he can play on the boundary. So, it is, but I don't even think London is the level of prospect that, that Harry. Like, I, I wouldn't even put them in the same bucket. To be completely honest, and it looks, it sounds stupid saying that now,
1: but yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And people have Drake London very, very high in their draft rankings. We might want to watch out for that. Bernie, do you think Mike Evans would he have been a first round pick <laughs> in twenty twenty?
0: Oh god, that's the wrong person to ask. I am not a big fan of Mike Evans to begin with. Uh, probably not. I would say he's probably a second- or third-round pick. I see Moxley reacting in the background to that statement there. I just don't believe – I don't know. I, I, he's Everybody has that player they don't like, right? That's just Mike Evans for me. I'm, I'm a whore, It's like asking me to talk negatively about the Ohio State University. It's very hard to do, and I, it's very hard for me to talk positive about Mike Evans. I will say I raised my hand because of Drake London. I, I do. I think I have him the highest on our, our site. I think I have him at eight. I'm the only one in the top ten, I believe, uh, when I was talking to Kane about that the other day. I do think he has a little bit more athleticism than he's given credit for. I do worry a little bit about him going to the NFL. I don't usually make major changes and shifting in my rankings after players find out where they're landing in the NFL draft. He is one of those players for me that could shift a couple spots based on where he goes if I don't think the team can utilize him that well. But with Mike Evans, no, I do think he would likely – I mean, he was still a good prospect coming out, but I I would think – he would have been with the way, especially wide receivers go nowadays. They seem to go for more of the speed guys. I think he would be probably like a high end second round pick.
1: The one that I'm having trouble with, Austin, is Des Bryant. I mean, late career Des Bryant most definitely was not a separator, but I can't remember whether or not early, you know, rookie first, second year Des Bryant had enough juice to give the NFL what they want right now. I mean, Des, because of his, um, his, college career and getting suspended he fell in the draft but i even wonder if des bryant would be a first round draft pick in today's nfl i think he well yeah i think he would because
2: he he was a boundary guy like that was my thing with harry and i guess maybe i should have weighed that as it like because i I kind of viewed them similarly but I, i always said that i thought harry was a slot guy so maybe that should have dinged him a little harder than it did um, whereas, like, that's why I had him second AJ Brown because I thought AJ Brown could play all, every, you know, every single wide receiver position if he had to.
1: Well, uh, audience, let us know what you think. What are the takeaways from Nikhil Harry's profile? What should we learn? There's a question posted right now on the Debbie Debate Twitter page. So go to Debbie Debate on Twitter and let us know your thoughts. Um, we had a five star review, a very complimentary five star review come in from M. Erickson. Uh, I think that that is, um, um M- michael erickson michael, who's yeah. in the in the discord we appreciate we would pr- appreciate the five-star reviews we give a lot of uh uh do a lot of giveaways um but this is what michael had to say one of one of my main shows that i look forward to listening Two every Thursday morning, entertaining and informative on Debbie and C2C topics. must-listen for fantasy football enthusiasts. So that's that's great. That's great. Um, But, Matt, we are out there looking for a commenter who won this Javante Williams jersey. Who are we looking for?
0: So on the Apple reviews, they did not leave their Twitter or email or actual name for us to try and get in contact with them. They just left their Apple name, which is Mr. Raw. So... I don't. If you're listening to this, they, they were one of the. They happened to be one of the very first reviews we got. It was a really nice review, five star review back, I believe, in like December, where we had only been like podcasting together for like three or four weeks. Uh, so it was one of the very first reviews we got. Hopefully, you're still listening. So if your Apple name, whether it was you who did it or your wife did it, is Ra, Mister Raw M I S T A R A W. Reach out to us at, at debbiedebate at gmail.com so we can get you set up. We can get your address and everything. We can get the jersey sent to you. We're going to give you another week. If we don't hear from you, we will likely do a redraw within the next couple weeks and send it out to somebody else. Apologize about that, but we've got to, it's burning a hole in my desk over here. I got to get rid of it. So,
1: Mr. Raw, reach out to us. Reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to us on Gmail, um, wherever one, so we can get you this jersey. All right. So one of our main topics for today is swings and misses. We do a lot of talking, we give a lot of takes, and we are often wrong Matt more often than me or Austin. Um, but we wanted to highlight some of the uh, uh, missed missed uh, takes that we had this last season. so, um, Matt, since you had so many, why don't you start start us off with one of yours?
0: And when you say wrong, isn't like I'm so wrong, I'm right. So yes, I'm 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 probably the smartest guy on this show. Is that you know as as we saw Peter Schrager and and my best friend Kyle Shanahan held me on their podcast. I don't think either one of you have podcasted with Kyle Shanahan or Peter Schrager. So let's calm down there, Felix, with the being wrong all the time. Uh, I'm gonna take three. I mean, the last one's gonna be pretty big. I'm gonna shock the world with the last one. But uh, the first one, Jamar Jefferson. Obviously, if you guys have been listening to this show since we started, I was big on him. I had him going into the draft season as my RB4, getting drafted in the seventh round, and going to the Detroit Lions as well to kind of be there with uh, DeAndre Swift. It's not great for him being the RB4 in this class overall. Uh, I, obviously, I think I still think he's better than what he got drafted on, but clearly my love of his vision uh his contact balance and his speed behind the line his lateral agility uh did not pan out the way i thought it was going to be so Jamar Jefferson was definitely one of my bigger uh Ls to take this year
1: which i think we told you i mean we said he was a non-athlete that i mean i mean try, i mean you, you, it seems like you like a lot of these running backs with vision and no athleticism I do. so we'll, I do. we'll see <laughs> uh who's next am i, next? I awesome? next oh i'm next i'm next it's funny because all of my wide receivers fit a profile. Horrible. yeah
0: exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was really high on a number of wide receivers that i'll talk about today the first one of which was warren jackson the um huge six foot six wide receiver out of colorado state i assumed that whatever deficiencies that he would have with speed and athleticism, he could just make up with, with his size. I mean, he was one of PFF's highest-graded wide receivers his junior year, opted out last year. That seems to have been a mistake, um, but just a, a, a guy that you could throw anywhere in his area code and he would be able to grab it was not the most athletic, and I knew that, but I thought that the NFL – um, would value the traits that he br- that he brought and the traits that uh you know the one thing that he could do well is just throw the ball near him and he could and he could grab it but that wasn't the case and he wasn't drafted and then was picked up by um, the Broncos and I'll say this though the Broncos have had some good luck with undrafted, local undrafted free agents so I'm not going to write Warren Jackson off just yet but he was one of my i mean i think he was in my top my top uh 10 wide receivers and then wasn't drafted so that was one of mine
0: i'll also just add i'm pretty sure at least my two guys got drafted so go ahead austin
1: yeah um
2: yeah i love that you got your guys are all felix receivers it's amazing i said that when i looked at the list (laughs) i was like yep that's a felix receiver (laughs) um so my first one's jade daniels um I had him as my QB three. Actually, I might've had him as my QB two just by default. Cause we hadn't seen Rattler play at all. Yeah. Um, coming into the year. Um, I assumed incorrectly that he could actually gain weight. I don't know. I don't know understand how, especially like a quarterback can't gain weight. Like, you don't have to be the most athletic guy out there. Just eat a couple burgers. I, I don't get it. Um, but I, I assumed that he could gain some weight and he really didn't. And then he just didn't really take a step this year, kind of like Slovis. You know, you you grade a guy a certain way as a freshman because you think that he's gonna, you know, you're projecting over the next couple of years. And there he he wasn't he wasn't more. I thought he he could fine tune his ball placement, his accuracy a little bit. He didn't really do it. He's got the tools, you know. I I think he's kind of what the NFL wants now. He's not a huge rusher, but he's mobile enough. Um, I think people make that misconception about him that he's like a huge runner. He's not, but he's, he's more than mobile enough. Um, he's got the nice arm. Um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. that He bounces back a little bit this year, but I, I would have taken him. I think I took him like early second round in a C2C startup last year. I don't think I would take him. Well, I mean, I'm Mr. Zero QB, but I don't think I would take him before like the fourth round. Now um, I took one quarterback and all of a sudden I'm, so it's supposed to be some crazy hypocrite over here.
0: But you wanted to take two. You can't forget that part. That's what matters. You wanted to take You have two. no proof. You have no proof. <laughs> oh, I have the proof. I have <laughs> the proof.
1: <laughs> um, Jaden Daniels is interesting just because of the skill set that he brings. I mean, if Malik Willis is going to get first round hype, you know, there's, I don't think it's going to be this year for Jaden Daniels, but next year, um, I think we, we could see the same thing for, for, for him. So I wouldn't write him off just yet. But um, but but we'll see. He he does need to 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 add some weight, we don't know what's going to happen there at Arizona State with Herm Edwards and uh, Antonio Pierce. Their jobs kind of being in jeopardy. Um, Matt, who's the uh, who? Is there another running back that you whiffed on?
0: Yes, yes. As as we learned in our draft, you guys got to check out our draft profile shows. Hopefully, we'll do those again this year. We talked about it. Austin is definitely. One of the guys who, uh, or no, Felix, you did a really good job scouting the running backs. Austin loves his wide receivers, uh, so when when you hear me talk about running backs, you should do the opposite of what I tell you. Although I do still think he's got a shot. Khalil Herbert was another guy I was high on. I didn't only have him as RB eight, so I wasn't propping him up as high as I was propping Jamar Jefferson. He did get drafted. Goes to the Chicago Bears. I, I do unfortunately think as long as Tre Cohens there, he's not going to have much role in on that team, but. They may Cohen may be gone in two years. So Khalil Herbert might have some kind of role there, but he's not at least what I was hoping. I thought he could get like fourth or fifth round draft capital. I think he got drafted in the sixth. I want to say he went ahead of Jamar's, so but still not what I would hope for. Didn't pump him up as much as I did Jamar Jefferson, but that's definitely another L. Sorry to Brandon Hay as well, because he reached out to me. We had like a long, long like after dark conversation, sipping on some some nice drinks, just chatting about our love for Khalil Herbert, and that did that did not work out at all.
1: I, I feel like you compared him to Nick Chubb. And no, we that was Javante. Austin backed me up. It was
2: Javante Williams.
1: I feel like I feel like you might have compared him to two people. I, to I did
2: Chubb. the freshman profile on Herbert. That wasn't even yeah. Matt that did it. Yeah. So. All right. It wasn't well, even me, yeah. Yet.
0: You just nice love to throw me under the bus. You just love to throw me under the bus and make me look wrong all the time, even when I'm not. It was Javante I compared to Nick Chubb, which, again, probably not the best comparison, but at least it's better than me comparing Khalil Herbert to Nick Chubb.
1: Well, I, when I throw you under the bus, it feels like I'm throwing the entire state of Ohio under the bus, which makes that's me feel true. So, anyways, to let's set.
0: hear about um, this wide receiver that was coming out of Florida State that was the next Randy Moss, Felix, because I'm pretty sure that's the next guy on your list. So, come on, let's hear about him.
1: Did I say that? Did I say he was Randy Moss? Listen, Tamarion Terry I'll had go the dig physical up, I'll tools. I'll dig up the
0: profile.
1: He had the physical tools, but I mean, he had a little Aaron Hernandez in him too. Obviously, so I think that that's why he fell. I don't think that there's any question that he was toolsy. He he was inconsistent, but you know, he didn't run as fast as fast as he should have uh, at at his pro day. I mean, he ran a four four six. We expected that guy to be a sub. Um, sub 4 0, especially when he ran like 22 miles per hour in high school, or allegedly was timed at that. I try, I tell you what, I'm not trusting any of those mile per hour things anymore. I mean, I thought that he would be a sub, <gasps> but inconsistent hands. Um, had a really good redshirt sophomore season, you know, but obviously, there were some things in his background that led him to fall, and then he also was picked out, uh, picked up by a team that is known for developing undrafted free agents and even starting some of those guys, lower round guys in the Seattle Seahawks. But I mean, he went from me touting him to he's probably never going to play a down in the NFL. So um, I got, I, I, yeah, I missed on, I missed on tomorrow. Ontario. What are you going to say?
2: The nice part is that you can just blame it on the, the prison stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 we never know. we never know what could have been. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. So,
2: That's the new Felix receiver. They end up in jail. Um, So my second guy is – I I, I went younger for this because this is already a take that I regret, and I'm sorry if people have drafted based on it because I'm pretty sure they have. Um, So uh, Caleb Williams. I was way too low on Caleb Williams coming in. Now, he's not like my QB1 or anything, uh, but I think I – slightly understated just the fact that he's going to go to that offense at Oklahoma and just destroy everybody there. Um, he looked solid in the spring game. You know, I think they did a really good job of kind of playing within what he can do. And I think Lincoln Riley will do that with him. Like I think he'll play with him what he can do. I mean, he made you got Jalen Hurts drafted in the mid second round. and What did we think of Jalen Hurts before he got there? So I undersold the Lincoln Riley effect with him. I will never do that again. Um, so I, I was very wrong in Caleb Williams. Uh, and I'm already apologizing for that one.
1: It took about two plays of Caleb Williams in that spring game for me to go, <laughs> oh snap. Like this is a we were we were all wrong on Caleb uh, Williams. He, he,
2: he, he might be the best runner I've ever seen. And I did say yeah. that coming out of high school. Like he's just a yeah. different level of athlete for the position, but I, I I still have like a few doubts about his throwing, but I I'm I'm gonna trust on Lincoln Riley at this point. I, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he was a career fifty percent completion percentage uh, passer in high school, somewhere around there. But I mean, looked very, very efficient and very dangerous um, it, uh, in that spring game. You want to talk about Malik Willis being a dual threat quarterback? If Malik Willis has any successors in a first round draft pick, I don't see how Caleb Williams is in a, a first round draft pick coming out out of Ohio, uh, coming out of Oklahoma, even if he's like a you know like a 60%, 61% passer somewhere around there but that, with Wentz Riley the
2: thing Riley
1: won't let him be
2: a 60% passer. He'll yeah. he'll give him stuff that'll get it up to 65, 66, 67%. He will.
1: No, yeah, I agree I really, with you.
0: I really was supposed really to Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to take I'm
2: not, uh I'm not wrong yet on that.
0: I'm not wrong yet. <laughs> I'm going to take uh it's going to be a hard one for me. So, and I know I'm not going to get any support from you assholes. So this is, this is going to be a big one. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to take my L. I was wrong on G Scott. I was wrong. (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) Clearly he's not going to be the second best wide receiver to JSN on that team. He's obviously gone to tight end. I still think he has a shot, but he's got to go out and prove it. Now there's still a lot of questions around that, right? Can he get the weight up? You know, Felix, It's funny because if you go back and listen to our first episodes, I I go on and like, as I say in the intro, wax poetic about G. Scott Jr. And then Felix like follows right up behind me. It's like, if you want to see a tape on how to run routes, go put on G. Scott Jr. He is still has a lot of talent. Can he transition to a tight end? And can he do that at the NFL level? There's still a lot of questions around that. But again, if you you go back to our early days on the show, There's a lot of, you know, the debates between the three of us with Austin talking about JSN, me, G. Scott Jr., Felix, Julian Fleming, and clearly G. Scott Jr. is not going to be a wide receiver anymore, so if I have to stay on brand with the show, it's probably the biggest L I'm going to take at this point. I'm going to go ahead and take it, G. Scott Jr.
2: That was basically our first big debate. It was, yeah. Yeah. It came up accidentally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, and then mine obviously was a wide receiver that I was high on. Again, these I think Warren and, and, and Watkins were in my top ten. Man, Austin Watkins, I did uh, first of all I thought he was six foot three. Don't ever trust UAB's um, height and weight profiles anymore. They just they just absolutely lie. He was listed at six, six 6'3", 205 his junior year or his sophomore year. I thought he would be 6'3", 215, somewhere around there. Goes to the senior bowl, he measures in at 6'1", um, 6'1", six one, six one about 200. Uh, so much smaller than, than I thought. Um, and then just wasn't I, – I, the NFL wasn't really looking for him. I thought that he would be a kind of a, a really good deep threat, a bigger body deep threat. Um, but he but he wasn't. And Austin Watkins, I believe, is a UDFA for San Francisco. So there's a chance that he could make that roster. I mean, you got Ayuk there and Debo and um oh the, the guy who transferred from Tennessee who became a running back and and then a wide receiver. I can't remember. I mean, there's gonna be some spot. Who am I talking about? Who's that, the the running, the running big running back from Tennessee who transferred to Baylor? Transferred okay. Baylor? Jalen Hurd is a big yeah, guy. Yeah, J- Jalen Hurd. A- Jalen Hurd, yeah. Jalen Baylor? Hurd. Thank you, Chris Moxley. Well, I, well, I forgot oh, where he Chris transferred to. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah so, he went to Baylor. And, yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway, um, yeah, there's some spots there. He can make the team, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be kind of that X wide receiver that I thought he was going to be. So, sorry, Austin Watkins, sorry.
0: Hey Luke, G Scott Jr. is still in the promo. I'll never take that out because that's still my guy. It's just we
2: both we both commented, Felix and I in the yeah. private chat on here. It says, I'm not gonna wax product about G Scott, and there's no G Scott place for him to play.
1: Not yet. What's it happening? What's it time. If you are watching this, if you are interest. watching, if you are excuse me, if you're listening to the podcast. Check out the YouTube. The intro contains highlights of all the players that we talk about, except for G Scott, because there are no G Scott highlights. So yeah. well, it's, it's also got Zach
0: just Wilson. I mean, it's
1: got
2: B.
0: John. Let's just be honest. That Justin Fields highlight is phenomenal, though. I mean, Gus Johnson's call. I mean, every time. That's what that I that that part gets me hyped every time I hear that 51, you know, hello, Columbus. I fucking lie. It just it gets me pumped. I start throwing shit. It's 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 anyway. Sorry. Continue us.
2: No, that was all I content to listen to you keep talking about that if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> so my last one here is Sage Surratt, who I was very wrong on. I had him as my wide receiver eight going into the preseason this year. Um, and I mean, I, I had him amongst uh, Deami Brown. Uh, where'd it go here? I pulled up like all my rankings for the past four years in preparation to the show. Was It was awesome. Um, I, I had him sandwiched between Tamori and Terry and Deami Brown. So, well. One's, in uh, one's not very good. And then the other one's Deami Brown. Um, and we'll leave it at that. Um, but I, I, so I pulled up my, my report on Surat and I, another guy that I thought was going to be a big slot. And I think I just undersold. And he's not as good of an athlete as, as in kill Harry, um, but you know, strong hands, not great after the catch. Um and I kind of mentioned those things, but I, I do always try to say like, I, I try to scout what they can do and what they can't do. Uh, but I think I just overstated what he can do. I would have liked to see him cause I do. My summary says I can't wait to see him in 2021 to see if he can work on X, Y, Z. And then obviously, obviously we didn't get a 2020 or 2021 or whatever. So, um, but I, 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 he's not going to do anything in the NFL. I was totally
1: wrong on him. So, It'll be interesting to go back and look through all of our rankings for this, you know, for this year and determine uh, who are going to be the the guys that we're wrong on uh, moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, let's let's give ourselves some more opportunities to be wrong. Um, Javante Williams, Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson were all players who kind of um, uh, came as a surprise to us. Came as a surprise to us late. Um, And we want to to attempt to call out the next Javante Williams, Joe Burrow, and Zach Wilson. Let's start with Javante. Now he was didn't do much as a freshman. Very productive as a sophomore and junior, but then in his junior year is where he really picked it up, um, averaging seven point six yards per carry. Just adding those explosive plays, you know, this big physical running back who's hard to bring down, can also catch the ball, a natural hands catcher. So who, who are we starting with here? Who, Austin, do you think could be the next uh, this year's or, you know, whenever, uh, the next Javante Williams?
2: I, I think Zonovan Knight has a ton of parallels with Javante Williams, a guy that is in a split backfield but is a similar size to Javante Williams. Um and it can catch like him. I mean, last year, uh, Williams had 20 catches, 136 yards, um, which is, you know, just as many catches as, as, uh, as Javante had his sophomore year and only a few fewer than he had his, his junior year. Um, I, I don't, the thing about Zonovan that I just don't really understand is why he's in a split backfield in the first place, because Ricky person is the other guy and he's just not very good. Um, so I'm not sure, like, if he was in the doghouse last year, or like the coaching staff just doesn't want to use one back, like, I because you you watch them and you can clearly see the difference, in my opinion, between the two guys. Um, but I did pull up uh, Jarek's magic line for this, and I I put Zonovan and Javante on it, and the metric that I used uh, was uh, backfield dominator rating, which is basically I, I double checked with Jarek and Chris before the show um, just to make sure that I didn't totally butcher this. And Chris said that, and I quote, it is basically the percentage of the running backs production compared to other running backs on the team. So looking at the magic line as freshman Knight outperformed Williams by quite a bit. Um, and then there's their sophomore years. Javante right on the line and Zonovan's just below him. So they, they were very, very similar there, their second year. And then Javante finished slightly above it as a, as a junior. I think Zonovan can, can follow that same arc. Um, so I, I think he fits the, this question to a t perfectly so uh, um, uh, zonovan knight is my answer
1: yeah another split field back, split backfield guy at least last year is jay sean corbin um transferring from texas a m to florida state splitting the backfield with lawrence to and um la webb it sounds like he has emerged as kind of a camp leader um this season and he's very versatile return kicks at texas a&m can catch the ball has the requisite size but that florida state offense has been terrible the last couple of years but they're adding mckenzie milton so you're adding mckenzie milton to that team maybe he'll open it up a little bit for the backfield i like the tools um in that package in his in his high height weight he has ideal size for the position and Jay Corbin is a player that I've called out before, and I believe friend of the show, um, uh, Kevin Coleman, is also pretty high on Jay Corbin and him potentially breaking out this year. So my player my player is uh, is Sean Corbin.
0: Yeah, so I'm going with uh, Tyler Algier, the redshirt junior out of BYU. He redshirted his freshman season, came back uh, in his sophomore, technically I guess his redshirt uh, freshman year. Came back and played running back and linebacker. Last year, he had a little bit of a breakout. You know, Felix was talking about him when he was uh, doing all of his waxing poetic on uh, Zach Wilson all last year. But I think that's why he got, he's being overlooked a little bit, is because of what Zach Wilson was able to do on the field, kind of impressing people. Now going as the number two pick in the NFL draft. But Algier has it all. He's a patient runner. He not only he uses his physicality, he's elusive for his size coming in at 5'11", 220. And he has breakaway speed as well, which I think is a big differentiator between him and Javante. Javante is not running away from defenders, where Tyler Algier can actually do that at his size. And he has the breakaway speed, as I just mentioned, and receiving ability. So in my opinion, Algier is a true three-down uh, three threat going into the NFL. Last year, he finished 13th. In missed tackles with 43, he finished seventh in explosive plays, uh, which is 10 or more yards on a run, which was ahead of players such as Isaiah Spiller, who had 39 more carries than Algier, Kyron Williams, who had 62 more carries, and Travis Etienne, who had 17 more carries. Algier also had the least amount of carries out of all the RBs in the top 15 of that metric of the explosive yards uh, for 10, 10 more yards. And then lastly, he finished fifth in runs for 15 plus yards and uh, with 21 altogether, only behind Michael Carter, Javante Williams, Breeze Hart and Breeze Hall and Cacere McCormick. The last thing, this year will be how much and how well does he play possibly with in the receiving game now that Zach Wilson is gone. I think that's going to be a big key for him. BYU does have some pretty good defenses on their schedule this year. They've got the full season. Zach Wilson not being there, in my opinion, Tyler, just probably going to be the focus of the defenses that they play. So how well can he continue to play? But I think what he can do receiving-wise and running, I think kind of comps him very well to Javante. Much like Austin, I did the magic line thing. Uh, Did not obviously anything really his freshman or redshirt freshman year because he did play some time on defense, but then last year he finished just below the line where Javante finished just above it. So I do think this year, if he doesn't split with, and I, I don't know how to, Chris told me how to say the dude's name and I already forgot how to say it, Lopini Katoa, I think. Uh, who actually had a lot more work than I expected when me me and Chris were talking a lot about this pre-show with the 84 carries and 23 catches. So that kind of moved him up on the backfield dominator as well, which I plugged in after Austin, you were talking about it with Jarek and Chris in the chat. I plugged it in as well. And so Algier falls a little bit in that because of how much, uh, the i I'm not gonna the guy I just mentioned, uh, because of how much work he was just getting with BYU. So that worries me a little bit, but I think Algier is a guy who could easily get that day two draft capital if he comes out and smashes again this year like he did last year. I
1: think three players for BYU's offense made money last year. Skill position players made money for themselves last year. Obviously Zach Wilson, Tyler Algier, and then Isaac Rex, the tight end, all had really good seasons. Um Jordan uh, Austin, since you mentioned Zonovan Knight, I want to just throw out a name out there. Um, Jordan Houston, who's the third back there, a smaller scat back, 190 pounds, um, has home run speed. I would really like to see him get an opportunity for uh, North Carolina State. All right, Joe Burrow, four-star, transfer from Ohio State, okay as a redshirt junior, and then explodes as a redshirt senior, coinciding with Joe Brady's um, arrival from from New Orleans to LSU as the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow definitely came out of nowhere. So this is absolutely, in my opinion, a, somewhat of a dart throw. Austin, where are you throwing that dart?
2: Yeah. So when I actually, I, I really thought about the this distinction between the next Joe Burrow and the, Zach, the next Zach Wilson, because they're definitely different profiles. You know, Burrow for people and i i wasn't on him so like i'm not trying to like pat myself on the back here for people that were really paying attention i think s- some people kind of knew that there might be something there with burrow his last four games people like to joke when he took that huge hit against alabama or auburn or whatever and it like knocked him in the next year he came back from that and it was just amazing like some, something snapped in his brain and he was great the last four games of uh, of his uh junior year there uh over 65% completion percentage in basically all of them, multiple touchdowns in every single game, you know, 307 270, 394 yards. I mean, the, the guy was electric down the stretch. So I, I, there, there was something there that I think, you know, you could, you could find. And that's why I'm, my guy is Caleb Ellaby. Kalamazoo stand up. There you go, Felix. You're welcome. He says it every time that I mention Caleb Elby, he texts me and says, say the words. So there's the words. Kalamazoo stand up. Um, Western Michigan quarterback last year as a sophomore in six games, um, completed about 65% of his passes, 1,700 yards, uh, 18 touchdowns at two interceptions. I get it. The Mac is not great defenses, but he's just got great ball placement. He's very, very accurate. If you go watch, and what, what kind of brought him to my attention last year was I was really high on Dwayne Eskridge. Um, and if you go watch Eskridge's tape, it's part of what made Eskridge so effective, besides the fact that he's just, you know, fastest shit and you know elusive is that the ball placement on all those passes was perfect for him to maximize yards after catch especially a lot of those where he'll just run like a little slant and, and he Ellaby hit some timing wise and, and location perfect for him to just kind of split the over the top coverage before it can get there um i, I think he might be one of the best guys in the class in terms of accuracy next year it, his arm is adequate it's not a cannon but i think it's okay um and he's kind of mobile, but also not really. He had 91 rush yards on 21 attempts last year. Once you take out sacks, so not great. And he doesn't look particularly athletic. I mean, there, there are some instances of him scrambling, but it's not, um, you're not like, Whoa, watch out. We got, you know, speedy over here. Um, but I, I I just think that he's, he's going to perform well again this year in the Mac and he still brings back two good receivers and sky Moore and Jalen hall. Um, so I, he could be a guy that sneaks into first round conversation. I don't know if he's, you know, ever in play for the 101, but I, I it's a possibility for a first round.
1: I love that name. Uh, Western Michigan University. I grew up attending those games. Caleb Elby's coach, Tim Lester. Oh, I, when I was in rocket football, Tim Lester was playing, throwing touchdowns to Steve Neal. I don't know how I still still remember these names. Um My player has not yet acquired any stats, but he is a player that I liked as a true freshman, a four star prospect out of Connecticut. Um, It's Miami's second or third string quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke. Now, his story is going to be similar um, to Joe Burrow's, in the fact that he's going, he's probably going to be buried on the depth chart. Jake Garcia looked really good um, in in the spring game. A really strong arm freshman quarterback. The guy who was supposed to go to USC, um, but so did Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke lo- looked uh, also good. A- big athletic player, Joe Burrow was six foot four, two hundred pounds. Tyler Van Dyke is six foot four, uh, two hundred. In 12 pounds, Joe Burrow was a four-star prospect, a 90 overall grade. Tyler Van Dyke, a, a little bit ahead of him, 91 overall grade. He's a player that I've gra- gravitated towards because he has um, some of that pocket mobility in a big, in a bigger frame. I'm always talking about size, um, but then uh, again, he just looked aggressive and accurate in the spring game. And it's not first of all, Derek King is probably going to be. Um, he might be ready for the season. If not, it does. It's not clear that Tyler Van Dyke is going to start. They might give that to Jake Garcia. But then they also have um, Jakari. I don't know how do you say is Jakari Brown, um, a dual threat quarterback who was at the Elite Eleven competition coming in there. So that back that quarterback room is getting really crowded. But I think Tyler Van Dyke is a really talented player. Now the thing is, is um, Joe Burrow's rise coincided with Joe Brady, Joe Brady, um, being at LSU. And so there was, he went to an offense, he had an offensive system installed that really emphasized his strengths and the strengths of that LSU team. We, that remains to be seen with Tyler Van Dyke went to Miami. It appears that the second choice was Syracuse. That makes sense since he's from that Northeastern area. Um, but I mean, my, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he has a YouTube page. He's a Miami fan. He, he, uh, coach, I can't, poor little Timmy. That's his, I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, he believes no that Tyler Van Dyke could potentially transfer and be very successful with his next school. So um, Tyler Van Dyke is my player.
0: Uh, So I'm going to go with Phil Dracovic, I believe is how you say his last name. He was a 95 overall rated with a four star. So a little bit better than Joe Burrow and and somewhat similar kind of paths here. I mean, he goes to Notre Dame is a highly recruited prospect. And I mean, I guess maybe if, if he was a fan of this show, uh, and we were doing this, obviously, before he committed to Notre Dame. He would have listened to Austin and be like, hey, if you're a good quarterback or just a good skill position in general, don't go to Notre Dame because they're not going to use you right. He ends up transferring out, uh, ends up at Boston College last year. And that was when he like really got his first shot at being a, a starter uh, and I thought at times was impressive. And you'll you'll hear my key difference here with them. The the two major differences is for Dracovich, I think he he has a better arm than Joe Burrow. He just he's got more velocity on it. He can go downfield better than Burrow. And I think overall just his arm talent is better. Where the difference is on Burrow, Burrow is a, is just ten times more consistent and a much better anticipatory thrower like Djokovic. I don't know if that's in his wheelhouse right now. He definitely struggled with that last year. But you see the flashes. He, he's definitely got the upside. The last year was his first year in that offense with Jeff Halfley. I did like what Jeff Halfley was able to do at the Ohio State University. So maybe the second year in, if we can see Djokovic take a big step forward. It's hard to say anybody's going to be Joe Burrow. Just to put that qualifier out there, I mean, Felix, you just mentioned it with Joe Brady. I mean, if you go look at Jarek's magic line on anything quarterback and put Joe Burrow in there, they had to create an extra part at the top of the page for what Joe Burrow did that year. Like, it was not, you could argue, I don't even think you could argue. It's the best offensive performance we've seen ever in college football. So, I just saying Dracovich that he kind of is coming from the same route and having to transfer, being a high end recruit, going to a. Although LSU is not a lower school compared to what Boston College is, but LSU was not what it was before Joe Burrow made it that. That it's been a while since they were that successful. I think Djokovic could kind of jump up there if he has a really good year this year with Boston College, especially with the ACC. In all essence, kind of being down this year, so if he can lead Boston College on a pretty good run, he's got to be more consistent. That's going to be the main thing I want to watch this year. If he can be more consistent down the stretch, because he—I mean, his A dot wasn't great last year. It was just ten point six, and overall had a sixty point eight uh, completion percentage, uh, and would only finished top thirty in everything else advanced stat-wise, which is not what you want to see. But down the stretch, there was a couple of games where he was rocking in like forty percent completion percentages. I know he was hurt a little bit, but still needs to be more consistent.
1: Yeah, the, the the truth is there probably isn't a next Joe Burrow, but we try anyway. Um,
2: and Pittsburgh stand up on Djokovic. Just you know, just saying. Pine Ridge in high school.
1: Zach Wilson um, kind really shot up. He had a similar uh, ascendance up draft boards after having a dominant uh, junior season there at BYU. Top thirty players, started as a freshman. Finished strong after uh, as a junior after having a down sophomore year. But there, I mean, I've talked a lot about Zach Wilson. You could see the tools and the skill set that made him a first-round pick in his freshman season. Um, he, he almost came back against uh, a last-minute drive against um, – uh, Boise State his freshman year. His freshman year he went 18 for 18 against Western Michigan University, for touchdowns, and was like throwing the ball lasers down the field. So that skill set was there. Um, Austin, is there a player that you think could be the potentially the next Zach Wilson? I'd be very interested to hear that because I love me some Zach Wilson.
2: Yeah, so I mean th- for, for me when I was trying to think about this, this had to be somebody that, that flashed and then we just totally wrote off. There's not a big pool. It's like Nix, who I was—you couldn't pay me to talk. Well, you could. It's almost to pay me to talk about Nix, but I don't want to talk about him. Um, and there's a couple other guys, you know, but no one that really gets me jazzed. So I guess the guy that that is most enticing would be Brock Purdy at Iowa State. And he didn't even have as bad of a year last year as people want to remember. But I think he did himself no favors going out in that first game of the year where Iowa State was supposed to be a pretty good team last year. They went out against uh, ULL, and he just totally crapped the bed. He completed 45% of his passes, 145 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, and they lost. And I think that kind of just at that point everybody said, oh, yeah, right, Felix. I think you don't say ULL, you just say UL. It's a, A priest or something corrected you on that. Um, uh, my apologies uh, to all our raging Cajun fans. Um, But he rebounded decently well after, you know, he didn't play well that well against Oklahoma in week three, but then, you know, the rest of the season, he put up, you know, really nice completion percentage. You know, it was, 74 percent, 67, 62, 80, 69, 87, 67 against Oklahoma the second time. You know, he rebounded against Oklahoma um, that that second game, even if, you know, he threw a touchdown and three interceptions. But he he kept him in that game. You know, he, he played well, um, but he, he's you know, he's got some NFL traits. You know, he, he's got the arm. He's I, I've I've called him for two years now. Discount Jake Walker. He's got that weird movement style. The, and it's like oddly physical and like kind of lumbering, but like also kind of not. Um, yeah, so I, I've just been calling him Discount Jake Walker. I think it kind of fits. Um, but I, I think he can bounce back this year. You know, Iowa State brings back a lot of that team. They're going to compete. All it takes is for him to to come out and beat Oklahoma or something this year. And I think you know there there are some people that flip the other way on him. Um, so you know, again, not a guy. Not like I'm not projecting Caleb Elby to go 101. I'm not projecting Brock Purdy to go 102. But I think he could be in the first round mixer, you know, early second round, depending on what happens this year.
1: And and Brock Purdy is going to be a, is he a fifth year starter or fourth year starter? Fourth year starter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So he's played a lot of football. Um, uh, My player is going to be someone who I I personally believe is going to play a lot of football, even though um, Austin has called him a game manager, but, we talk about Zach Wilson. He started as a true freshman. This player started as a redshirt freshman. Was a sixty-seven percent completion percentage sixty-seven uh, percent completion percentage passer in the SEC as a redshirt freshman, um, and, and flashed. Uh, that's Connor Basilek. That's Connor Basilek. We've seen Missouri put a quarterback recently into the NFL. He's going to throw the ball a lot and have a lot of opportunities to. Um, to showcase his talent. They're probably going to be from behind, but we like what we like Mookie Cooper. We like Tyler Batty. And I like that offense. Um, and I like the fact that he, he is a redshirt freshman starting. He's going to play a lot of, a lot of football and, um, uh, he's just someone to monitor. Like, I think that if you would have noticed Zach Wilson early on, you would have said, okay, this is somebody that we need to keep tabs on now. Uh, Connor Basilak only had seven touchdowns, six interceptions. But I'm still – like I'm keeping tabs on this player given the way he played uh, last season, his first as a a starter. So Connor Basilak is my potential next Zach Wilson. But we'll have to wait one or two more years for him to to declare for the draft.
0: So I went with Grant Wells, redshirt sophomore out of Marshall. Tried to find a guy much like those two did, a little bit lower – and not expected to do much. And I, I think kind of what uh, Austin just mentioned and Felix, and he showed a lot in one game. Uh, The very first game of the season last year, prime time. It was like everybody was excited, right? College football's back. There wasn't a lot of games on. It was a prime time game on ESPN. Dude was out there gripping and ripping it. I mean, he was making NFL throws in that game. Grant, I don't even remember who they played in that game. What was it? Uh Eastern Kentucky. So obviously probably not the best defense in the world, but still, in my opinion, was making NFL throws and actually looked good outside of the game against Appalachian State, I think, which was week two for them. They still ended up going 7-0 to start off the season. Ended up hitting like a three-week layoff because of COVID. Comes back and just – Shit the bed, and you know, I think we've talked about it either on air or in one of the after shows because Felix brought up how bad they looked. I think it was in the bowl game against UAB. He he, and he did, he did not, or Buffalo. I'm sorry, Buffalo. The game against UAB, he they ended up playing, or he played decent, but not great. But in that game against Buffalo, he was horrible. And I mean, I still think he's got. Great deep ball accuracy. He's got great velocity on all his throws to so all areas of the field. He can throw from different arm slots. I would say he's slightly above average with his legs. He's not a negative, but he's not, and he's not going to outrun you to the end zone. He can use his legs to buy time, maybe get you a couple yards, but most of the time he's he's moving out of the pocket to find players down the field. Again, I mentioned he started seven and zero. He was sixteen. 16- touchdowns four interceptions in that time with sixteen hundred seventy two passing yards mentioned they they hit that struggle and he just kind of everything went off the rails he threw five interceptions in one game so he's a bit undersized the ending of the season last year is definitely worrisome something we could have talked about with zach wilson rather some of that I think came with the shoulder injury that sophomore year and limited him some i think he had 11 touchdowns nine interceptions that year wilson did uh because of the injury but I think he's made NFL throws if you go out and watch him on the tape. I think if he comes out and produces the next two years, he has a chance to be drafted. He finished top 20 in a couple of the big QB stats. The one that stood out to me, big time throws, uh, where he finished with a 22 or 22 of them and a 7.6 percentage. His A dot was 11.5, which was 21st at quarterback. So he had a really good season overall. I want to see him be more consistent. He's a guy that maybe in that 2023 class can come up and shine outside of uh, DJU and Brian.
1: So, our next uh, Javante Williams, Joe Burrow, and Zach Wilson. Let us know what you think. Uh, again, at Debbie Debate on Twitter. Um, for Javante Williams, we've put we've picked Donovan Knight, Jay Sean Corbin, and Tyler Algier. For Joe Burrow, Caleb Elby, Tyler Van Dyke, and Phil Djurkovic. And for Zach Wilson, Brock Purdy. Connor Basilak and Grant Wells. Do we get it right? Do we get it wrong? Do you got some other players that you uh, think should be mentioned here at Debbie Debate on Twitter? All right, Chris Moxley, get in here. We did we did fine
3: tonight, right? How did we do? The overall stats game has been upped by y'all, so applause all around. I will say the unofficial points race, which has become a hot topic of conversation among the Debbie uh, Debate crew, was once again won by Colin as he is dragging Austin along with him to their fantasy points gig on the CDC pod campus life and and bound both, both both found on the CDC feed on uh, and on fantasy points moving forward. I will say that I have to come to Mike Evans defense as well. He is the only wide receiver to start his career with seven straight 1000 yard seasons. Even if Matt doesn't like him, fairly historic and for a little fun fact to end the, uh, the show Des Bryant in 2017, which was his last season in Dallas, had more yards of separation per target than A.J. Green, Julio Jones, and DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Look at the facts, man, coming out swinging, (laughs) coming out swinging. Check out all of the content around the Campus to Canton family. Uh, Be sure to catch the Campus to Canton podcast feed where you can find this podcast, Canton Life, excuse me, Campus Life, Canton Bound, Fantasy Roundtable, and Why Wait Till Sunday. That is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstree. We just went a little long, but we'll get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.
3: Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25 and Apple will go to the ground at the 32 and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Chua stepping back, loads up,
1: looks long, throws, end zone Touchdown touchdown, Alabama! Devontae Smith! Touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has won once again, ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and the cut it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clipson grabs a 34-31 lead is one second away from the second
3: national championship in school history.
1: Hill just in front of his end zone has a man out there. It is Ranger and he's up to the races. Nobody will catch him. 93 yards for the freshman